And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Do you store your pre-season minutes in the tank or under your belt? Can a transfer saga really be a transfer saga until Jamie O'Hara has broken his silence about it? What is the smallest transfer fee ever paid? How many times will budding manager John Terry be on Monday Night Football this season? And did former ITV ace Adrian Charles invent this podcast a full eight years before I did? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.49 a month. That's 30% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 83 of the Football Cliches podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, pictured with their wash bags and one pair of new boots, strolling through the training ground car park, looking relaxed, are, first of all, Charlie Eccleshare. Happy pre-season to you. Happy pre-season to you, Adam. How are you doing? Big question. Where do you keep your pre-season minutes? Where do I keep them? Mm. Uh, oh, in the tank? In the tank? Or in the legs? No, no, it's just minutes in the legs at this point, isn't it? In the legs? Yeah, I think it's just okay, minutes in the legs. There's a growing, um, I wouldn't say clamour, a growing movement to store pre-season minutes in the tank. But alongside you, we have Dave Walker, who I would hope and suspect is a minutes under the belt kind of guy. I think I'd be more under the belt than in the tank. But now Charlie said it, I like in the legs. I think minutes in minutes in the legs is, okay. is nice. I think it's very much at this point. At this point, it's just minutes in the legs. Mm. I've heard that quite I a bit. Heard about, I've never really heard the legs. Under the belt maybe is more for a player coming back from injury, perhaps. Mm, Whereas in the tank is a more universal concept. I think in the legs is a slight... Um, People trying to be a bit more sports sciencey with the way they mm. talk, uh, mm. you know, trying to pretend they have a kind of vague idea of physiology when most of us probably don't. Yeah, but I, I think, but yeah, primarily it's sort of players saying, yeah, it's good to get half an hour under my belt. I didn't think I'd be alone in this. I didn't think I'd be alone in this. What a fantastic start. Let's start the adjudication panel with um, an eerie moment, perhaps. This is Charlie, all the way back from 2012, and the, the washed-out World Cup qualifier between Poland and England. 
which was on ITV. And um, here's Adrian Charles pretty much preempting football cliches by about eight years. Worryingly close to our style. Cue clip. She, I mean, she raised interesting questions, uh, meteorological questions, I suppose. She said, uh, the, the, the spokesman for the, uh, the Polish Football Association said, we were expecting heavy rain, but not a downpour. We can, that's something we can debate long into the night. When does a heavy rain become an actual, an, an actual downpour? <laughs> now, I should say, first of all, Charlie, I, I'm not massively ashamed by accidentally uh, um, mimicking Adrian Charles because I've always quite liked mm. him. But um, I, I do feel the, the whole Football Clichés experience has been cheapened now. I think what's great about that is just, and I'm sure it would be the case for us, like if we had someone on who just didn't really want to enter into these conversations, <laughs> it would be entirely pointless and you'd probably take a step back and be like, yeah, why are we debating this stuff? And the fact that it's Roy Keane there, yeah, who's just... Obviously, doesn't want to enter it. Like when we have Coxie on, I suppose it's these similar. Things. <laughs> yeah. Although what was interesting in that clip? Yes, you've got you've got Roy Keane, uh, Lee Dixon, and Gareth Southgate, a young, a fresh-faced mm. Gareth Southgate, and he was loving it. Yeah. Southgate was loving. He was loving the idea of debating what what, what becomes a downpour and what's uh, what's heavy rain or whatever. So maybe we should get Gareth on. Yeah, get Southgate on. There's a hard day. Imagine how earnestly Southgate would would tackle <laughs> that conundrum. Now, well, you know, we we have looked at those situations. Of, of course, we have. You have to look at all the all the situations, and um, you know, and uh, you know, we're really looking forward to the challenge. We've done some work with the in-house meteorologist at St George's Park. <laughs> Prepared in all weather conditions. Absolutely. Um, in more pre-season themed content, Dave, in the absence of uh, of what I can see, any Italian teams beating some amateur sides 24-0, the most pre-season thing I could find for you for our curtain-raising episode of 2021-22 was Kevin Friend booking the crowd at Bristol City versus Aston Villa. Um, this is via Sebastian Bacon. Clearly thinking about what he's going to do. It's a jovial atmosphere. Oh, out comes the yellow. Oh no, he booked the crowd. That's Dave. That is too much for preseason. That soccer aid, fine. Preseason friendly, where people are trying to get into gear for a season. Yeah. No, and it, it's also interesting that it really really is a sign of just how much Mike Dean has crossed into the sort of mainstream consciousness of being the ref, the celebrity pantomime referee. And I wonder if that rankles with, with some of the other referees. Is, is, this, is this friend's <laughs> attempt to like become the, you know, become the the next cab off the rank? Because Mike Dean probably hasn't got that many years left in him, has he? No, that's true. I mean, they've clearly done away with the upper age limit. But I mean, no, Charlie, I would, I would, I would, theorise that some of these refs are quite happy to fly under that radar. They probably don't need that level of attention. But it, it is... They're, they're calling him the shit Mike Dean is possibly one of the weaker football chants because it's just like, you're a shit first thing I can think of, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I think some are happy to fly under that radar and some aren't. And I, I didn't have a big issue with this. I thought it was quite sweet, him trying to enter in. <laughs> what I quite liked as well was that he... He booked them, but he also did the point, which you often see oh, refs yeah. doing. And so it was almost as if, like, I'm giving you the full booking treatment. Yeah, you know, it's not yes. not like a half-assed version of this. It's like if you paid him to come along uh, for like a celebrity appearance. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna do it absolutely as I would normally. 
and not not a hint of venom throughout the whole no, episode. No, exactly. The, the the way that met the raising of the card was the most heartwarming. Everyone's in on the joke. Way we're all in this together. I've I've ever heard. It was just so warmly received. Well dealt with by the man himself in the middle. Meanwhile, transfer season, Charlie. Do you know what I'm feeling now? Do you know how I'm feeling? Go on. I'm feeling really amid. Right, yeah, there's a lot so of amid. amid I, I right actually, now. I, I, I was searching for the word amid earlier today. I thought, no, I can't use it. Amid or amidst? No, amid for never headlines, say amidst. yeah. Always amid. I mean, we could be peak amid. Peak amid because Grealish is essentially done. I think it's safe to say Grealish is more or less going to be confirmed by the time this podcast goes out, maybe. But Kane is obviously still very much yet to be resolved. So this could be the most amid. Mm. It could be, how amid do you feel? As the as the Athletic Spurs man, you must feel overwhelmingly amid. Yeah, I mean, very much so. There's there's a lot of amid going on. I mean, also with transfers, like someone like Tammy Abraham, that feels like that's very amid because there are so many moving parts in that, which you, you could probably draw him in with, with other things. No, he doesn't. What are you on about? No one's amid a Tammy Abraham transfer saga. You can't be amid the Tammy Abraham speculation. <laughs> no. there, there's very much a threshold for, for how, how much amidding goes about. I mean, but I mean, it, obviously it qualifies as a saga, Dave. No, no question. Um, despite there not being a great deal, a variety of things to say about Harry Kane's situation. But can a saga really be a UK football saga until Jamie O'Hara has had his say? <laughs> How did he become the spokesman well, for real-time football developments? Absolutely. I mean, he's had a great couple of years on TalkSport. Oh, Jamie has, hasn't he? Very much elevated himself to one of the key men. Just a very accessible man, is that fair mm. to say? Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a nice man, actually, as well. But, yes, uh, but I think he is very much a man who will... He understands what he needs to say. At certain times, um, Jamie O'Hara's um, universal relevance, Charlie, hit its um, <laughs> record zenith this summer with this Daily Star subheadline of the conspiracy theory that the moon landings were faked have been thrown into the spotlight again on the anniversary of the first landing in 1969, and Jamie O'Hara has had his say. <laughs> He's broken his silence. <laughs> Absolutely surreal set of words that was. And what did he say? What's the view? <laughs> Didn't even bother looking. <laughs> that's all. That's, that's enough for me. And then, of course, it, it we got back to more sort of amid Harry Kane thing. transfer links. Jamie O'Hara yeah. has a say on the moon landings. Sky Sports News, um, uh, yeah, as they do on a you know four times a day basis, interviewed him the other day. And uh, where did he? Where do you think they interviewed him from? Where was he? In his garden? No, close in many ways. Living room? No. Uh, on a golf course? Yes, oh, he was at a golf event. <laughs> I, I put it to you, Dave, that I reckon it's about 30% of all July-August Sky Sports news outside broadcast interviews are done from golf events. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and they, but they are, they're just like, they're manna from heaven for, for, for Sky Sports News, for Talk Sport, for, for probably even for newspapers or whoever. Any, anyone who's just desperate for a bit of close season content. And you just, and it's like you'll be watching Sky Sports News and you'll just see different ex-professionals at the same bench with the same golf course in the background just yeah. on repeat all day. Glenn Hoddle will be there, then it'll yeah. be Gary Mabbott will turn up, yeah, yeah. and then maybe Ramon Vega will have his say on <laughs> Harry Kane. Ramon Vega was saying to me the other day wearing massive sunglasses for no reason whatsoever. He looked absolutely ridiculous. But on this point, 
Um, this was unplanned, but I definitely think it's going to work. Charlie, um, I put it to you. You are a ex recently ish retired ex pro. You're probably early 2000s. Uh, you're at a golf event, and I'm asking you about Joe Hart's move to Celtic. Go. That's a big opportunity for Joe. Um, you know, Joe's a model pro. He's uh, great in the dressing room. He'll be great with the young lads. I think. I think this is an opportunity for Joe. After what's been a difficult couple of years, you know, uh, there's there's a top goalkeeper in there. Believe me, and uh, I think it could be a great move for him and for the football club. Oh, what a flourish at the end! You know, obviously Celtic's a massive club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true, they're, a, yeah. they're a huge club up there. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, obviously if they were down here, you know, they would be. He's going to they'd be top he, six. You'll have to quickly get used to the scrutiny. That's Everything it. you do is poured yeah, over. T- t- you know that. It's, it is still a massive club. Um, He's played in some North London derbies, but tr- trust me, there's nothing like the old firm. <laughs> Such a goldfish bowl. <laughs> Such a goldfish bowl. We, we should we should ascertain what the goldfish bowls of football are in a future episode. Newcastle, um, definitely. Oh, huge goldfish massive bowl. goldfish bowl. Yeah, absolutely. They love their goldfish bowls. Tropical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this we, we had to play this clip because... Um, the, the Sky Sports News exodus continues. They're losing all their big names. But um, Gary Cotterell, thankfully, is still around for such developments like this. Here he was giving the latest on the Harry Kane situation. Well, this story really is turning into a saga in the vein of Citizen Kane as Kane fights to become <laughs> a citizen to pull on that light blue Manchester shitty city <laughs> shirt before the end of this transfer window. That was a close one, wasn't it? Oh. Now, oh, Gary. let me just say straight away, I'm happy to gloss over the the um, the bit at the end, which was very puerile. We're not going to leap yeah. on that. Um, and let's just let's just tackle straight away, Charlie. The Citizen Kane reference um, strikes me as he's never watched Citizen Kane, <laughs> and neither have I. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that. I, I don't know how much this is really like Citizen Kane. Have you seen it, Charlie? Uh, I haven't, but I have been to William Ooh. Randolph Hearst's house, who I believe oh, Citizen Kane nice. is based on. Is that a tourist attraction, or you're a friend of the family? Uh, yeah, <laughs> went, went round for dinner. Um, the, the hearse. No, it's it's quite a sweet pad, I've got to say. I actually watched the film not too long ago. Oh. Did you? Um, and is it good? Yeah, it's all right. But is it the best film of all time? Probably not. No, um, it's a little rubbish. But also, it like I don't know, you know, to, to briefly explain the plot, it's about a man who about a boy who grows up to be basically the richest man in the world, pretty much big property sort of newspaper tycoon, and then on his deathbed he says a word, says rosebud, and nobody knows what it means. And then you kind of spend the whole film doing his life story. And then the final shot of the film, spoiler alert, is his childhood sled, which had the name Rosebud on it. And it means basically that his final words were the time when he was most happiest before he had all his money when he was a child. Well, well, I guess then like Kane. Yeah, well, Kane will realise he was happiest at Tottenham, the club he's been at since he was a child. But we won't know that until Harry Kane's on his deathbed and he says... Potch, <laughs> Potch, or yeah, but that wouldn't be a mystery. Tim so, Sherwood, I don't know. one of his academy coaches, um, basically doesn't work as an analogy. Is what we're <laughs> discovering here, exacerbated <laughs> by the fact that he had to refer to the Manchester City as the citizens. Yeah, the citizens. I was thinking that yeah, how because a lot of people that. wouldn't realise that that was part of the pun. There's also an Adam Will has banned this, but there is a Simpsons episode of the same name, Rosebud, uh, where Mr. Burns has a similar experience as in Citizen Kane. So some of our listeners will be will be familiar. And actually, just linking that back, the person who has shared that Gary Cottrell clip, his Twitter handle is Steamed Hams, and that is also a Simpsons reference. 
good, so it's legitimate. Good, good to see the Simpsons intersecting, as always. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hot off the press, an important poll, Dave, from Michael Cox. If Harry Kane's mooted transfer does go through, and in fact, if Jack Grealish's mooted transfer goes through, we're looking at a potential British record transfer fee. But Michael Cox asks, should the British record transfer fee criteria include British players only, British clubs buying players, British clubs buying and selling players, or don't care? Which one are you going for? (laughs) Yeah, this is a good question, this. British record transfer fee. For me, that is a British club buying a player, mm. any player. I agree. That's that's what I think as well. Yeah, well, 31.2% of respondents agree with you. Uh, a disappointing 44.8% didn't care, what? Um, <laughs> which is a real shame. Should care. Yeah. Should care about this sort of thing. Absolute disgrace. Cox's point ultimately was that it should not include sales. The British transfer record being Barcelona signing Philippe Coutinho is not for me. It's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but I think that's everyone's in agreement with that. That's why Grealish is viewed as the record, isn't it? Because otherwise Coutinho uh, trumps that quite considerably. Mm. Curious, 14.1% of people, Charlie, um, voted that it should be British players only, which is really much against the spirit of it more than anything else. That feels a bit jingoistic for me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm in the British premium. The English premium, I should say, of course. But um, from big transfer fees, Dave, to small transfer fees, I've been um, recently quite fascinated by how I started to wonder what the smallest ever transfer fee was. How close to zero can you get? Um, this this search was immediately um, solved um, rather too quickly for my taste, but we will get to that. Um, I, I should say, we are momentarily breaking one of the unwritten rules of the Football Clichés podcast, which is to never discuss a subject that has already been featured on a 100 obscure online top 10 slideshows. Um, but here we mm. are, nonetheless. We are stuck with it um dave i offer you first of all from marco J. he says i'm certain that when huddersfield signed danny schofield from brodsworth miners welfare the fee was said to be some corrugated iron and a bag of balls having visited bmw as they are known later they had used the iron for the roof of a stand that's a good that's a good place for us to start isn't it i think it is bag of balls yep that's fine that makes sense the the way that this is spoken about obviously i guess huddersfield would have paid them some money to get Oh, we'll pay. How how much does the new stand for the new roof cost? We'll pay it. But the way it's written is as if they've got like some corrugated iron just knocking about the training ground. <laughs> yes. Someone's yes, gone and found it. Oh, we we got some iron if you want it. Do you want that? Will that do? Oh, re- yeah, actually, that'll come in handy. We, we need a new roof for the stadium. Yeah, there you go. We'll shake on that. Um, weirdly enough, Charlie, corrugated iron, sorry, 
Weirdly enough, Charlie, corrugated iron is a consistent theme of wacky transfer fees. Tony <laughs> Cascarino was once rumoured to have moved to Gillingham from Crockenhill for some corrugated iron. And, I, and this is one. This is a story I randomly remember from my childhood. Mm. And I thought, well, maybe it's one of those things you just completely misremember and no one ever heard of it. But no, it's on there. And uh, and the Guardian once asked him about it and he denied it. So there, were, there was no corrugated iron involved. So, so <laughs> a minefield corrugated iron. Charlie, here's one for you then. Uh, I, I like the texture that's gone into this one. Tom Caldwell uh, alerts me to the fact that Franco DeSanto, he of... Um, a, appearing on that random list of players on Wikipedia as the next Maradona. He moved from Tiro Suizo in Argentina to Audax Italiano of Chile for 12 footballs, two goal nets and 40 litres of paint. <laughs> wow. The, the paint's good. I mean... 40! Do you reckon there was some negotiation? Is that a lot of paint? I mean, it's not that much. How many? Is that a room's worth or is that a house worth? That's probably about eight big, eight sizable cans of paint. So you could, could you do the whole training ground? Could you do a whole training ground of 40 litres of paint? Uh, I don't think you could do a whole training ground with that. Well, it depends how big the training ground is. I mean, I'm guessing if you're a club that's paying, that's, you know, dealing with those sums, you don't have a state-of-the-art no. complex. They might not use it. They might sell it on. You know, the resale value. Mm. That'd be quite funny if they negotiated a kind of, the, if they sold him, the, the club before would get a sort of section of the paints. <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing. Yeah, you sell Franco de Santo for, for, for 40 litres of paint, then go out and buy two defenders for 20 litres of paint each. But then they know, but they know you've got mm, 40 yeah, litres. Yeah. <laughs> they, know they know you're coming. The Dulux premium. <laughs> Love <laughs> it. Great paint chat. Next up, Charlie, I'm going to come back to you straight away with this one. Um, you're going to have to guess... This one. Back in 1927, Hugh McClenaghan moved from Stockport to Manchester United for what? Is 1927 a clue? I mean, is there anything? No, no okay. No, just purely for oh, colour. Right. Uh, and the fact that it's true. <laughs> a train set. A, a train set? Baffling guess. Yeah, I don't know where that's come from. Uh, no, he moved He moved from Stockport to Manchester United <laughs> for a freezer full of ice cream. Yeah, I mean, that's, I was, that's fairly random as well. Turns out the Manchester United assistant manager... Um, was in the ice cream business. Right. Uh, but it all gets I very... it was in the freezer. It jumps yeah. out on arrival. <laughs> Ta-da! That's the first thing you could think of. <laughs> um, but no, Dave, this story has taken on a, a mind of its own over the ensuing decades. Other reports say it was two freezers of ice cream. Other reports say it was three. How many How many were really required? One would be enough. One Surely. would be enough. But, I mean, my question is, you say a freezer full of ice cream. Mm. Is that like, have they got the freezer as well? Or is it just like a freezer, freezer's worth of ice cream? <laughs> it's all very Child's 2012 now. Have they delivered the ice cream and then you've got to put it in your freezer? <laughs> yeah. Freezer's oh, it's just full a, a of worth. ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pain. That would be a massive That would pain. be a massive pain, especially in freezer yeah. space, which often is, is at a premium. And, and of course, freezer technology in the late 1920s, mm. as we all know. Well, I mean, we'll know better than anyone. It's not well developed. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, as well yeah. with that, for the kind of athletic long read equivalent there, you've got the freezer full of ice cream. Could that be included or the headline? Or is that too obvious? Would you need a kind of other food stuff? something involved oh, in that no, transfer I mean it's perfect fodder but it's almost it's too much because it's right there maybe when we do the 100th mm. anniversary of that signing um, we can include it freezer full of ice cream medicine private balls private meat yeah medicine balls <laughs> and then just something really bland like and negotiations when you get the yeah, third one of completely run out yeah yeah completely next up Dave uh, the 11 podcast tells us that Collins John once moved from 
DES Niverdal to FC20 for a set of encyclopedias that were donated to a local school. Nice touch territory. Classy touch, yeah. Very nice. Your and your your pronunciation of FC20 is very nice touch there as <laughs> no well. No idea. <laughs> no idea, but I think on the balance of probabilities maybe okay. I'll ask Steve McLaren. Next up Charlie a roller coaster story here. Giuliano Grazioli, the exotic oh, named yeah. former Stevenage striker, moved from Wembley FC for an alleged fee of three Mars bars and a packet of crisps. Now, that is an alleged long read headline already. Yeah, I remember that being talked about because didn't they play Newcastle as soon as yeah. he was there in that famous FA Cup tie of 98? Um, he debunked that oh, years no. later. He said um, that was a comical statement made by manager Paul Fairclough on the eve of the game. Um, it ultimately became a bigger story once they played Newcastle in the FA Cup. He says, I can confirm that the fee didn't cost anywhere near three Mars bars and a packet of crisps, more like a packet of polos. <laughs> ah, I don't know if that's a debunking or not. Um, he's made it worse. He's made it worse. Well, now we've got the um, top 10 slideshow content out of the way. Um, here are some genuinely good listener contributions here. Dave, Jeff Shepard says, my dad's old boss was transferred from Gala Ferry Dean to Berwick Rangers in the late 1980s for the price of a mitre ball. Hmm. Not even a, ba- not a bag of balls, but... No, not a At that ball. level, but, what yeah. it'll do. I, I, I like just the, the degree of separation there, dad's old boss. As if that was a story that got bandied <laughs> around the office. <laughs> but if it, if it was the premium mitre, you know, mitre Ultimax, Ultimax yeah, Pro. Yeah, late 80s, you looking pretty at... Pretty pricey. A, yeah, maybe sort of a, a bare kind of white ball with just the mitre on it maybe mm. in the late 80s Charlie this is an extraordinary story one that I had to verify over DM from Scott Broadhurst he says this is incredible <laughs> we had two very organised and regimented playground football teams in primary school and I was sold from one to another for 50p <laughs> in year five <laughs> fucking hell a transfer market in the playground I, I now I now I think about it I wish I'd done that that sounds incredible. That is amazing. Imagine. You can imagine how uh, brutal you'd start getting like paying teams to take crap players off your hands and things like that. It yeah. would it would descend. I mean, I guess at that age as well, you're you're well in that market because with football stickers, you're into the whole trading thing, aren't you? So yeah, uh, it feels like an actual extension. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'll I'll swap you Adam Hurry for a shiny of Philippe Albert. <laughs> having to mortgage your future pocket money. <laughs> <laughs> just to just to finance a move for these star strikers. Yeah, they'll be like a Peter Risdale equivalent, running off a huge <laughs> debt. Oh god! So I I, I pressed Scott Brawhurst on this because I just thought he was making it up for a laugh. He says, "No, no, I was sold back the next day to my original team for the fifty p, and they bought David Kelly instead, who was famed for his toe poke finishes and was better than me. He played for Liverpool Schoolboys for a bit at that age. That was a blow to my pride, though. I can't remember who provides or who collected the money, but there was a definite transaction." I mean, implication there, Charlie, of some seriously corrupt mm. business going on. Who? Where's that money now? <laughs> yeah. Where's it gone? The, the embezzling of those funds. <laughs> Who holds the registration of the player? Wow. You have to go to the teachers for a, for a Bosman, <laughs> landmark Bosman case. Banned for a year from playing school in the playground. <laughs> Extraordinary. Uh, but yes, you, you, you speak of such matters, David. Here, uh, this is absolutely sensational. Elliot Charles says, when I lived in Australia, I joined a club. But to play, the FA had to formally cancel my registration to my Sunday league team in England. Bizarre amounts of paperwork um, ensued. And with a joining fee of $300 for this new club, I'd like to think that's the cheapest transfer out there. Is this the fabled international clearance? Ridiculous red tape. It is ridiculous, but I think it sort of checks out because it's this time of year and I'm just 
um, you know, re-signing for my, um, you know, re-registering for my Sunday league team, as you have to do every summer. But normally, like, club secretary or whoever just sort of does it all for us. But this time, they've, the FA had, like, got this, like, online thing. We have to go in and sign it yourself. So I went on it the other week. And it was, like, proper, like, there was, like, all this stuff. There was, like, all these rules and regulations about not being allowed to join another club. In in the Southern Sunday League, you have to tell the FA and you have to swap the registration what over. And, <laughs> like, you can do transfers. Like, you can actually, we could, tiny little Sunday League team, Ribblesdale Rovers could buy a player, but we'd have to go through the FA to like ratify it all. It's, it's completely ridiculous. In a, way, in a way, I kind of admire, Charlie, this kind of dedication that the FA have to keeping it the same at all <laughs> levels. You know, like a, a fine for a yellow card is the same, you know, the Premier League or Sunday League. But this is a bit much. I've always wanted our, my team to like sign someone from another team. It's never mm. happened. Like, obviously, you know, mm. that's not how we do it. Players just come in because friend of a friend or whatever but i think that would be mm. so funny to just go and like approach another team and try and pinch one of their best players presumably like muted celebration yeah exactly club. yeah no <laughs> this, this must go on um fantastic stuff in the um small transfer fee debate but none of those really quite answered the question until the athletics katie wyatt came up trumps in the whatsapp group she pointed to me towards colin doyle who moved to Bradford in 2016 from Blackpool for a pound, Dave. He had a one-pound release clause in his contract. Really? <laughs> like, who's putting that in the contract? I mean, you can buy businesses. Well, I remember, I remember this you know. vividly as a kid when I think it was Terry Venables or someone bought Crystal Palace or something and it was bought, or Portsmouth maybe, and they were bought for a pound. Well, Ken Bates bought Chelsea. Yeah, for a that was, I think it was Portsmouth in about 97. It was like they'd been bought for a pound. And I was so baffled. I was like, I don't, I couldn't really compute so, that. In all of these cases, what's the transaction? I mean, did Bradford transfer a pound well, to Blackpool? It, it feels like, you know, when you go into a corner shop and you, you, you have there's a minimum spend on the card. Mm. It's like I can't buy, I can't pay for a 43p Mars bar with my, with my debit card. It's, it's that sort of thing. What's yeah. the point of Bradford having to, I mean, is it, you know, do they do an invoice? Well, I don't know how football clubs transfer money to each other. So no, that's a good question, I suppose. But yeah, pretty odd. I mean, there must be a legal reason why it had to be a sum of any sort and not just a free transfer. I don't know. The admin involved for mm. the person doing the admin will be more than one pound's worth of money for... Yeah, yeah, definitely. For the club. Um, I was stunned. I, I really thought this would be an epic search that I could turn into a 5,000 word long read. And there it was, a quid. <laughs> um, ruined. And there's, yeah, there's an element of um, contract clause chicanery about it that i don't really like but uh, a pound there it is uh, but I, and charlie i was i would have been more intrigued to find a sort of a transfer fee of like 50 quid like 50 quid would be more surreal because yeah, which... as i say the pound just feels like some sort of you know legal nonsense but 50 quid for someone i'd like to hear maybe about that, that. Does, maybe 50 i can imagine 50 quid existing in that sort of world just a bit below conference yeah because it's still a usable sum yeah. of money like you could spend it on i don't know some corner flags yeah, yeah like exactly so, yeah it wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't go unused and it obviously you know we'd be looking so low down the pyramid that it would get to the point where it would you'd have this weird sense of pride for being sold for that amount of money it's like i mean you know we obviously you know huge elite footballers are asked you know what does this transfer fee mean to you? And they always say, oh, well, you know, it's nothing to do with me. It's, it's between the two clubs. But when you get sold for 50 quid, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> do you know what? Was that? that reminds me, actually. That we, I don't think we ever did this, but we did float uh, the idea of, like, for a, key, a keeper we had who was pretty good and he was wavering as to whether to play, we said, like, he wouldn't have to pay his match subs. 
which is basically a ten oh. or a match. So that's a that's that's a that's nice. Yeah, that's a pretty cheap kind of transfer fee, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. you know, if he plays ten games, that's a hundred quid for the season. More of a signing on fee, I'd say. But it's kind of ongoing. Mm. Although, may, may, yeah, maybe it's almost more of more of a wage than than mm. a fee. It's nice. Well, it's kind of like the stag on the stag. Thing exactly. Pay. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Everyone pays for his drinks. It goes without saying. We pay for his meals. He doesn't pay anything. I mean, I would argue that it's not always a glorious situation. If you're really shit, sometimes you get your fee waived because you're like, you just please go away. Like, you, you know, you played two minutes because you're so terrible. Yeah, yeah, um, don't worry so about yeah, it. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> see you next time. Moving on, some questions from our listeners ahead of the new season. Theracon asks Dave, how long into the season do you think it will still be acceptable for commentators to reference fans being back in the stadiums? When's that going to lose its luster? Ooh, that's, a, that's a good question. I think I think what we might see here is, fittingly, maybe a, a sort of two-wave situation. I think you will have a lot of it at the start of the season where it will linger on until, I think definitely for the entirety of August and September. Mm. I think once you get to October, maybe. But the thing, actually, but the thing is, once the nights start drawing in, and you've got midweek games under the lights and the Champions League, mm, you know, there'll exactly. be so maybe there might be Different three waves. So there'll be this, there'll be this first start of the season where fans are in. It's sunny. It's great. Full stadiums, brilliant. Like loads of fa- loads of players scoring the first goal back in their full stadiums will be euphoric moments. Nights. Big European nights at Anfield or whatever yeah. in in sort of October or whenever the Champions League starts. Then it will die down. And then I think towards the end of the season, when we have like these big games that really matter, big finals, semi-finals, whatever, mm. it will be very much on the tip of the tongues of the commentators again. How we've missed this, but I think so good. But that they're there'll here be to see fest- the festive yeah. games as well. I think you'll have it a bit. Yeah. Mm. So maybe it should be all season. I think there'll be like constant <laughs> small waves of different. Things. I mean, it yeah. was like last season or beyond. It was almost like a the equivalent of you can't celebrate an old club was that you couldn't say any occasion was too great without quickly checking yourself and being like, but it, obviously it would have been way better with fans. And it's really, you know, it's yeah. a real shame that fans can't be here. I'm going to be delighted to lose that caveat. Cause it's, you know, yes, we know. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Um, I know almost you need to say at the Sam, beginning of the season, last season, like clearly this would all be way better with fans. That's taken as red. And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. We all did go a little bit overboard. Um, Sam asks Charlie, I heard the Community Shield get the small matter of treatment this week. I'm not sure it's big enough to be small matter of. It's very borderline case. There's extra significance to the Community Shield beyond the game of football, clearly. Yeah, I think it, I don't think this works at all because it is quite a small matter to, to the <laughs> point where I... I, I, I performatively small. I'd completely forgotten the Community Shield was even happening this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's the small matter if you're talking about someone's pre-season games because within that context, mm. yeah, I get it has more importance than than most, but it is a genuinely small matter. So, I, yeah, I don't think... I mean, yeah, you could... If it was the, the small matter of an opening weekend against Manchester United, fine, but I don't... I think it just is. Yeah, you can't small matter off the Community Shield. It's already small agreed. Um, Dave... I, Oddly, I have this kind of, I don't know, reverse memory issue with football. Like, my short-term football memory is so bad. Every single year, it takes me a good 15 to 20 seconds to work out who's in the Community Shield, which is yeah. a fairly easy formula. Yeah. Um, and that's really worrying. It is. And I, 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 I do exactly the same thing. I, I, saw, I saw it written uh, the other day in, in some piece about City. And, yeah, it said Pep Guardiola wants to get such and such a player back in his squad before... 
taking Manchester City to Wembley to play Leicester in a community seal. Mm. I was like, hang on a minute, Leicester, where did they finish? They weren't in the top four. Oh no, it's the FA Cup. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it really creeps up on you yeah. as, as both a fixture and a concept every single yeah. year, despite being, you know, fairly immovable as an idea. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know why it blows my head. The, the other one year. like that, and obviously slight present company accepted, uh, Dave being a Watford fan, but the other one like that is, is you'll reach point of the season and be like, who are the three teams that came up again? Who I know, it's, why is it so hard? Why was it... <sighs> Insanely it's, it's, difficult. Yeah, it, it's it's disproportionately hard. No offence, Dave. Yeah, speaking of the uh, the new Premier League season, we asked our listeners for their very specific season predictions. Dominic Wilson, Dave, says, after a 3-1 loss to Brighton on the 27th of September, good start, Patrick Vieira will be the first manager to lose his job, leaving winless Palace bottom and being replaced by Mark Hughes. <laughs> I think it tailed off towards the end. I think Mark Hughes' time is done. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see Mark Hughes being the man to come in and save uh, Crystal Palace. I, I mean, Big Sam is out of a job, isn't he, at the moment? Like, it wouldn't be beyond him going no, back to Palace. I, I can't unfinished see another business. Club doing it. I can't see another. Club. Oh, I can. I no. really can. I, I think I it's think more that would be Frank Lampard once he's waited mm, it out a bit. Yeah, um, mm. and that feels like well, a, good a, fit. a firefighter though. Again, it's a bold. I think. I think you 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 get safety first mode, don't you? If you <laughs> if if you big if you big sort of gamble on on Patrick Vieira blows up in their face because everyone will be going, oh, it's the same as De Boer. Mm. What happened last time with De Boer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they've got to go kick. safe. What is Roy still about? Could it be Roy till the end of the season? He's still That's there. That's more likely. I, I won't rule out Allardyce completely, but the concept of firefighters. Charlie, are there any other firefighters left? Are they all just sort of given up? I can't think of any other people you draft in. Yeah, because you think Tony Pulis, Pearson? but he's, I don't think he's still available. Well, I mean, still, I don't think he's still doing Premier League roles in quite the same way. Yeah. Death Pards, obviously, no longer. And, and then Pards was actually less of a firefighter, maybe, wasn't he? No. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know who that is. Elodice, the last of the firefighters. Interesting. Um, like this one from Sam, Charlie. John Terry will break the record for Monday Night Football. I'm open for managers' jobs guest appearances. <laughs> the first will be in August. I think he could do a good three or four before the season's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 uh, I mean, I say that, I would definitely watch it because there's plenty more to come. We've got John Terry's best 11 he ever played with and, and <laughs> yes. I would I would happily watch that. The oddly softly spoken yeah, John Terry yeah. as well. We like, yeah, um, yeah. I think you know, time is right for me to you know get into it. Um, uh, I sound like Glenn Hoddle. That's not gone well at all. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. John Terry's thoughts on defending after the break. Yeah, it's a good gig. I mean, wouldn't turn it down. But uh, yeah, I could see, I could see him doing three or four this season. Dave Jones sort of speak, you know, trailing what's coming up over the, after the break over a slow motion montage of the various times John Terry had tried to clear the ball with his head on the floor. You know a thing or two about heading that you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, heading. Could be a bad season for that. Goodbye, heading. Who knows? Ross Tyson. Let's finish off with this one, uh, Dave. Ross Sparkley not getting carried away after a good start to life at St. James's Park leads to talk of an England recall. Oh, yeah. that's very tangible. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another couple of false dawns for Ross Barkley. Um, yeah, these are all very reassuring, aren't they, Charlie? Uh, yeah, for the new I season. thought that actually the other day caught a bit of Chelsea or sort of what was it? I think I saw on Twitter some kind of Chelsea Arsenal stuff, and Chelsea mm. still have this kind of on top of their actual squad, they have this kind of phantom squad of like Barkley, Loftus Cheek, Batshuayi. Yeah. These players who are completely amazed are still there, and I, mm. I, I guess they'll just kind of be perpetually loaned. It was really weird seeing Batshuayi come on. Yeah, it, uh, the other day against against Arsenal. Drink water came on. And drink water, yeah. Futile existence. Bakayoko still there. Yeah. 
I think yeah. he technically still is. Zappacosta. Zappacosta, yeah. Obviously, the bigger picture for these players is where they're going to go next, how their career is going to pan out. But in the local context of them playing those games, when you see them getting sort of riled up about a throw in yeah. or, go, or go down screaming in, you think, why do you care this much? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, realise they are elite professionals. There's, an, there's, there's a threshold, you know, there's a minimum level of, of involvement and dedication here. But still, I mean, don't, why do you care? Another one. And to the point where I'm like, have I imagined this was Kennedy? I think he's still there. Yeah. And I saw something being like mm. Chelsea chucking in Kennedy now as they try and bring in Kounde from Sevilla. I mean, that is such a cynical yeah, move. Like, Do you Kennedy? Maybe. He's yeah. good. It's he's like really good. selling something on Facebook Marketplace and then they, they turn out to pick it up and say, Do you want this, <laughs> this egg cup as well? <laughs> trying to get rid of it. But offering Kennedy, Kennedy to Sevilla is an absolute disgrace. Um, not tempting in the slightest. It, with all due respect to Kennedy minutes under the belt for everyone happy return to the podcast for you Charlie thanks very much thank you cheers to you Dave thank you and thanks to everyone for listening as well we're of course going to be twice weekly this season the adjudication panel will be here every Wednesday and a little delight for you later in the week it'll either be a Mesa Harland Dicks of course or a themed 11 or anything else or maybe even another adjudication panel if we're feeling lazy but that's your twice weekly plan for the rest of this season cheers all Athletic Podcast listeners and especially fans of the Totally Football Show here's some exciting news if you're that way inclined the Totally Football Yearbook is the definitive chronicle of the not particularly easy to say 2020-2021 season and it'll look absolutely ravishing on your bookshelf. It'll have features, season reviews, stats, quizzes and plenty more, plus a foreword from Jamie Carragher and lots of the good stuff from your favourite athletic writers including Nick Miller, Rafa Honigstein and James Horncastle and people like Daniel Storey, Duncan Alexander and Julian Laurent from Team Totally. The Totally Football Yearbook is out on August the 5th and you can pre-order your copy wherever you get your books today. The Athletic.